0: Go
1: ahead, Ray. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting blob! Nothing but an unstable
0: short chain molecule.
1: It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil, it's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen. I'm happy to be here with you on another fantastic Saturday afternoon. How are you feeling today, Matt?
0: Feeling good, Deb, feeling good.
1: End of the year. I can't
0: believe it's December already. We have done nineteen official podcasts up to this point. Actually it'll be
1: eighteen. This is gonna be nineteen. I think it's eighteen. I'm checking the site right now. Check it out. Oh yeah. Seventeen was Daily Fantasy Duel. That was the last one. We're on eighteen, baby. Eighteen. Yeah. There we go. So man, it's amazing to think we've come this far. You know, uh Thank you again for helping inspire us to start this journey. I never thought we'd, uh, we'd do this many or make it this far or be this motivated to keep going, but it's been so much fun. I'm looking forward to dropping at least another 18 next year. That'd be my goal to say, you know, we did 18 this year. If we could do 24 next year, I I think that'd be good, good progress to build on, you know, like at least two a month. But, uh, it's been fun, so hopefully we can bring in some more guests next year. Hopefully we'll have some more interesting topics about technology and education and healthcare and things that don't involve like racists or social justice warriors or you know police violence or some of the more depressing topics we've covered this year. But uh, we got to talk about what's on our minds and what we think's trending. So uh, yeah, what, what do you think, Matt? The year in review. Year in review. We started off Twitter and the mob, very popular
0: one of ours. Our uh, our inaugural. Uh, a Podcast, and you know, honestly, in regards to that, you know, I think that it's getting worse. <laughs> I don't think it's getting any better. I think um, or staying the same. Uh, you know, that's why I try to stay away from social media as much as possible and um, not get sucked into that uh, that black void of, uh, of, of fear mongering and ganging up on people and telling people how it is, and I'm going to change some minds by getting out there and telling people that are my family and just want to look at my photos and everything about my political stance and yada, 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 yada. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really have much on that topic. I don't think there's really much more that we can really talk about that. You know, there's, we know there's bullying on the Internet. We know that kids go through it, um, you know, daily, uh, hourly, uh, worry about it a lot. I saw some CNN documentary on kids getting bullied. It was pretty sickening, actually. It's amazing. Uh, the cyber bullying that goes on. And I think that that has a lot to do with what we talked about in the anonymity and the security of being behind a screen and not talking to somebody face-to-face and telling them like it is.
1: Yeah, you know, this was such a resonant podcast for me. I really enjoyed doing this one. I think uh, we were really passionate about the topic. Sam Harris actually did a podcast a week later about the very same topic. I remember I'm on his podcast feed and he did one with like, they're called like the philosophical wizards or something. They're like philosophy professors. And they were talking about this topic for like an hour and a half, two hours. And Sam ser- shared very similar views to us in just that he totally saw where this is just like a dangerous path. Yeah.
0: society's Society
1: is going down. I do think you're seeing kind of a numbing effect in society though, where people are a little more aware of, you know, anything you put out there could be heard by everybody. And this is a dangerous trap to fall into. And also you know, don't pay attention to this stuff. The best way to avoid it is to just disconnect. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to be at risk, don't be on Twitter. Well, you know you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, you're basically throwing something out to the public and saying, do with it what you will. And a lot of people have expectations that, you know, they're in this isolated little bubble when this occurs. You know, unless it's some private email chain. And as we know, nothing on the internet's private. Anything can get exposed. Anonymous hacker group. You know, you've got to be very careful what you say in a public domain. So, well, do
0: you think it, that it's uh, like an elastic type effect? Do you think that it's like gone out there and it's like reaching its, its point where it's like slowing down and people are starting to realize a little bit more about the, just the cesspool, which this can turn into if you go down that path? Um, I just think the internet's a and, very... and, and, and now they're coming back. Like, is that what you mean by being numb to it? Like maybe they are uh, deflecting it a little bit more, not letting those things like actually, um, stick and, uh, and, 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 insert themselves into their, into their psyche. They're kind of just like, they're like, you know, more flippant about people it. People have
1: come to better. expect it. You know what I mean? Right. Like you start telling your kids or people start telling each other, Hey, if this happens, this is going to happen. You know, right. you put a picture on yourself, flexing, going, look how ripped I am. And, you know, you happen to have some man boobs. Some mean people might say some mean things about that. It could happen, you know, like it doesn't make them right. But there is no safe space. There are no safe spaces (laughs) on the Internet. You know what I mean? Like people don't talk shit in public to other people's faces because they've got to deal with that resonant emotional effect. I think... Well, somebody might punch him in the mouth. We've talked the, about this. The internet's right? amazing in that like it's so connected us, but it's a very inefficient form of communication because there's a delay and there's a detachment. The other person doesn't even seem real unless you really know them. Uh-huh. So you don't really feel any empathy yeah. for that person for a lot of people. Right. They don't have an empathetic connection. Yeah. And so when the person shares their opinion... You're not having a real conversation with that person where they're in the room and you can ask them nuanced questions and really get under the skin. Right, see their body language. Just really know what. if, If somebody says something offensive like the Justine Sacco tweet and I was really offended and Justine was in that room, she made that joke, we could have a conversation about it. And I could easily find out she's not a racist and it's a joke and this is what she was saying. And even if I was offended, we could have a conversation about it. You throw
0: it it out there in a void. Throw it out there in the void. And the
1: void is everybody gets to be offended at the same time and call through your head at the same time. So it's not a very realistic form of communication because communication should be fluid. It needs to be a back and forth exchange of ideas and emotions and reactions. Mm -hmm. And when you remove that from the equation, you're not live feeding, you're not Skyping and and video – it's very tough to be very like, connected to somebody. The other forms of forums and this, I love being on forums. I love doing things like that. Meet some very cool people, exchange ideas. You know, there's communities out there. But Twitter and Facebook can be this whole different thing where it's literally the equivalent of like, you know, you're naked for the world to see. Whatever you show, everybody gets to gets to chime in, like mm-hmm. you said, is the Greek chorus.
0: Right. Right. I think that it's it's interesting when I was listening to you when when you're talking about the forums. A forum to me seems like you put it out an idea you ask for a response there is more of a delay it's almost like email and speed of it
1: usually right it's a different it's a different medium though because a forum usually they're specified around certain niches, yes. you know whether it's an, a topic of uh, you know right. interest be a car, or it could be a, or, or it could be a background instance. it could be for men who want to date or women right. who are into right. knitting yeah. whatever it is people register. And there's guidelines to the forum. And if you don't adhere to them, the moderators, the people who run the forum, they kick you out. So you're being a jerk, you're saying racist things, this, that. There's a a medium of decorum. That's very different from like Twitter and stuff like that where people can just make a hundred dummy accounts and do whatever they want. Yeah. You know what I mean? With, With very little recourse. Or they don't care what the recourse is. Or the recourse is ridiculous because you're just spewing your opinion into the void. Who cares what your opinion really is anyways? Exactly.
0: I always think about that anyway when I put tweets out there, I'm like, who's really listening? But then I have a podcast, so then I think about it like <laughs> that at the same time.
1: Perception becomes reality, my friend. It's like PR 101, right? That's why like, when the Twitter mob goes after somebody, the company can't just be like, well, even if this is stupid, we're just going to ignore these 100,000 people. Because what these 100,000 people, if they keep saying it, that becomes a reality whether it's true or not. You know what I mean? What you read in the history books, yep. when you're a kid, you believe that to be factually true, usually. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. until you're really exposed to the fact that we're very led into a concept of reality, when I was a kid, you know, 11, 12, you just totally take everything ad nauseum you're reading as a complete 100% truth and what you're being told and read here because it was agreed upon and taught in the school, this has to be 100% a fact. Yep. Yeah. When history is very nuanced. Oh, yeah. In that regard. So, I'm very interested to see What we see in the future with the Twitter mob, I do think we're going to continue to see the social justice warrior movement. But I I do think people are more aware of this risk. So we'll see less people falling into the bear trap that are deserving of it. The people who are doing it now, they usually are racists or they are trolling. You know what I mean? They're not like joking around and this just terribly happened to them. Right? Usually those smarter people are like, okay, I'm aware that joking can really fuck my life up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very true.
1: Scary. Scary where the world's going. Scary. From there, we moved on the next week to uh, a story about free-range parenting. Oh, yeah. Parenting. Who knows best? Remember that one? Man, I almost forgot about that, actually. What a great...
0: That, honestly, wow. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, like, when you think about it, I think that they're still jacking those parents around in Maryland.
1: I haven't seen anything in the news as much as this, so I do think this is more of a, you know, isolated instance of over-progressive movement, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I think the theme for the year, as evidenced by the South Park season, is the PC movement, you know, and one of my favorite movies in the 90s, me and my brother, we were talking about this, was PCU, which is a very <laughs> underrated uh-huh. Jeremy Piven movie, where Jeremy Piven plays himself, basically, but he's in college, and... Parliament, funkadelic! I mean, it's politically correct university, the best line of all time. I thought you are going to see see the, the Merkins tonight, I you hate punk. Funk gutter, funk, parliament, funk, adelic. That's right. Aren't you a music major? Yeah, so? Uh. (laughs) But PCU stands for Politically Correct University, and they were really making fun of this mid-90s movement of what later became the safe space and where we need to basically not only allow you to have whatever views you want, but we need to say whatever views you have need to be accepted as equal to whatever view you're going up against. You know, So if you think meat is murder, you know, like you're not just being like, hey, we want to be vegetarians, but you're an actual murderer and you should be prosecuted. Well, that's a legitimate view. That should be an equal playing field as the you know, if you want to eat meat, that's just part of nature view. So it's a funny in that this movie kind of saw where it was going, but there was a bounce back. We kind of lost ourselves and didn't go into that super progressive movement, maybe because it was 9-11, maybe because of other things. But it seems like there was a pullback from that. Now we're like 100% full speed ahead in that direction, don't you think, Matt?
0: Yeah, I 100% think that. Um, You know, it's actually pretty interesting. And again, it's what I don't understand about the PC movement is why can't these people separate themselves from the uh, person who is offending them? You know, it's not really about... You. It's about them. They have the problem. If, the, if there's a, a, a white guy that doesn't like black people and, and he's saying certain things, and you know, just, it, that's his problem. You know, why absorb that and let and, and take that in? There's no sense in doing that. It's, it's about saying, hey, you know what? I don't have to listen to you. I'm not going to stick down to that level. I'm just going to keep doing what I do and rise above it and keep moving forward because I don't even have to listen to you. It's
1: ridiculous. Well, it's an interesting dynamic because there is at an underlying core a positive intention from the social justice warrior movement because the concept is that
0: everybody should respect each other but the fact no. is
1: that you can't force
0: that upon people either
1: well, the, and the more that you force it the more that you try to do it through
0: these type of three, these type of movements and these type of actions the more that you're creating even more animosity towards you that that's the that's the interesting conundrum that's going on here the way that the black, like for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, or, or those college kids up at uh, Yale, and, um, and 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 they're saying, oh, you know, you you have to agree that you know this is this is not right, and you shouldn't say these things, and blah blah blah. And the the, the way that they're going about doing it is making people who even are sympathetic with their cause be like, seriously, this is this is this is right.
1: Well, what I wanted to say about the social justice warrior movement is that, you know, like there is an intention of positive implication and they're kind of the victim of this new kind of modern political extremism where there's a lot of factual truth in what starts a movement and then it spirals to where the extremists take control of it. So like the Tea Party movement, you know, there's a lot of people in the beginning who were just basically fed up with how corporations were running things and taxes and all these things. And that got hijacked by this group of crazed extremists who wanted to force their political views on everybody. And because of that, though, they had a base of people to work from because there was some truth in their implication. The progressive movement, there's a base of truth in that everybody's like, yeah, we're all for equal rights, we're all for you know, respecting each other. Well, let's take that to the extreme. You know, I have a right to be respected at all times, not like I have a right to choose to be respected at all times. But well, like if you're disrespecting me, that's somehow violating my rights. You don't have that freedom anymore to, to make me be offended. What they're really against is freedom ultimately, which is the scary part of it, I think. Right, because that's exactly what we I need, was gonna we say. we need to be free to offend each other and then our reaction to that offense should garner how we structure society and how we structure these reactions. But it shouldn't be like culturally, we're gonna force you to respect this.
0: Well, listen, the, the way that, that you react to those those threats or comments is the way that you are going to build upon society because that's where we're at right now. And you can't force and twist something to, to, to move faster than oh, of course than, than you can. what you can you, well you not effectively. Because ultimately all it does is come back on you. It's just like the civil rights movement in <clears throat> in the nineteen sixties.
1: Now we're here. Because we,
0: we, we kind of got to a point it, that we were like, swept it under it, the rug, and it, then we forgot well, yeah. about it, and now we're back. Hey, let's
1: make these rules, and then racism's over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, racism's over, they say, so right? the whole yeah. thing with the Make, make with these rules, and then it's just over, well, just the same like thing that. with the PC thing, right? I am mean, like,
0: okay, so you don't talk bad about that person, and you don't talk bad about that person, and you're not, don't be a bigot,
1: and, you know. The logical implication of what they're doing makes sense, though, because when you think about it, if you're like a minority that's been disenfranchised, whether politically, socially, economically, basically historically for the entirety of existence and you see any chance to move forward and get the equality you've been looking for, you're going to be looking for that equality and then some, and then you're going to want it instantly because you're like, I see a path that didn't exist for all of history and now it actually seems attainable mm-hmm. somehow just from making, making a big deal about it. And you might be right at your core because like we said, the core values of respecting people and you know equality, things like that, that's something everybody can get behind. But you need to allow people who don't share those views to expose themselves for who they are. Hang your, you need to let these people hang themselves with their own words. You need to exactly. let people you need to let people be free to be terrible people as long as they don't infringe on your rights. They can still have terrible views.
0: Exactly.
1: You know you can't put a gun to their head and say you need to be polite to me, or else we're gonna kick you out of the country or you're not an American or something like that because you have these views. You know you may, might be a terrible person. You hate them. But that's actually their right to have these terrible views. And that's what makes this country great, actually, because if you can't allow those people to have those rights, guess what? They think your views are terrible. And we need to get everybody on the right side. So when we have this open debate, everybody's on the right side of this freedom of thought. We don't just say this is the right way to think and everybody has to be on that side. That's the danger of the social justice warrior movement is. They might be pushing good causes, but it's under this ad nauseum of if you don't get behind our cause, we'll destroy you. So what happens when we take slippery slope causes, you know, when they've gone down very, very slippery slope movements as things are starting to go recently, like with safe spaces or, you know, the modern feminist movement where a lot of modern myths are being pushed, you know, like the rape culture movement. Rape culture is a huge problem. We know those statistics have been manipulated, so it's not 20 to 25 percent of women have been raped or sexually assaulted. Not that it isn't a big problem or something to worry about, right. but when you force that statistic on people and then regurgitate it over and over again, mad nauseum, so it becomes truth, then it becomes a logical fallacy that people think they need to fix. Mm. And so what do you do? Now any drunken hookup could become <laughs> considered as a rape or sexual assault right. because women are so worried about being raped and sexually assaulted, they're being told this is rape or sexual assault, so it becomes rape or sexual assault. Right. And mean, how that does decision. that change society? How does that change how we interact with each other? So there's huge implications to these things, and regurgitating facts as truth. I don't know how we got on this just, just, this path from free-range parenting, right? This, I think I think the moral of the story
0: here is uh, is just don't follow blindly into uh, into something because you feel. Uh, some some way connected to the person who is getting attacked or threatened. And honestly, like step back for a second and look and see if there is a uh, you know something else going on here and whether and, and and assess the situation. Right. I mean that's the whole thing is that there's a lot of movements that catch momentum and people are following on it because there there is a. There is a thread. There is a a, a a sliver of of something in there that is that is well, truthful, and it does need to change. But it really does get blown out of proportion. I think the safe space thing is something that gets blown out of proportion. I think there's something that be said for some thick skin sometimes, and uh, being like like a duck and letting things roll off your back. You know, and my grandma used to tell me, "Oh, just let it roll off your back, whatever." And so they keep moving, like you know, sticks and stones, that whole deal, and. I'm not saying that, that that words can't cut and they don't hurt and that they and and there is some vile vile people out there that feel some certain ways that are just appalling to everyone. But there's also something to be said for having some resiliency and be able to move through this world and 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 deal with the pressures and the problems and the things that come along and stand in the face of adversity and just move through them uh, and understand that when somebody attacks you in that manner that it's, it's, it's usually an issue with them, not with you. It's not with you. So don't make it about you. Just keep it about them and keep moving forward. That's what I'm thinking in this whole deal.
1: Definitely. And my parting thought on it would just be that, you know, if we're going to strive for truth in everything, then we need to instill that value in children. So like you said, avoid the negativity, but is it easier to tell you the truth about something or let you be aware of the truth But teach you the frame, control, and perspective to let that truth inspire you or to fix the world so you're never exposed to a truth that might offend or harm you or impact your mind. Right. I think one's a lot easier to achieve than the other and a lot more practical. Exactly. One's
0: reality and one's not.
1: But like the current movement right now is basically like we can insulate ourselves from reality if we want because if we're offended and people are trying to hurt us, they don't have that right. You know, we should have a safe space. Yep. Safe space. So from there, we actually moved on you to... You can't
0: cross this. This is a safe space <laughs> on a college campus.
1: Yeah. It's never again. It's never again. No. And he's a muscle over here. He needs muscle. Bring over the muscle. Jesus. So from there, we moved on to episode three, technology, eating jobs. The tragedy, which was based on a Robert Reich article, The I Everything, which was about how these modern technology movements have actually basically like co-opted the modern economic model. They're actually removing jobs from the economy because they've insulated the value of something to the core where everything's gone digital. And when you've got a digital application of something, you really don't need the infrastructure of a company. Your goal is to actually have less overhead. And how's that going to affect how we all do our jobs going forward? Mm-hmm. We've all seen McDonald's kiosks. Yeah. Seen those? I haven't. No? No. It's like order.
0: I, don't, I don't know i McDonald's. This
1: is like a meme that's been trending on social media before when like McDonald's workers were going on, fast food workers were going on strike for $15 an hour, which is a livable wage, and everyone's like, yeah, that's a good livable wage. And the meme was it was like, this thing doesn't charge $15 an hour, and it was McDonald's kiosk. It's just like an iPad with a screen, and you order everything you want, and then they give you your food. And they're right to a degree. That is kind of the future of fast food service, I think. You don't need that fast food worker to be there. So as technology comes into play with all these different economies and job markets, what are we going to do to create new jobs? Because we can't all be armchair quarterbacks behind computers all day, can we? I
0: don't know, man. We got skyscraper after skyscraper, floor after floor after floor full of them already. For now? For now. What about 10 years from
1: now, 100 years from now?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely moving in that direction. Listen, if you can optimize, lower your overhead, make your business more efficient, run more smoothly, workflow, this, that, the other, blah, 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 make less errors, man, people are going to do it. That's the way you're going to go. That's the point. you know. And I think that our workforce is going to be able to, I think what they need to do is be more educated in the fields of maintaining those robots, computers, and developing those robots, computers, and things, um, and, and maintaining, I mean, um, oversight of, you know, logistics and, and other things like that, and, and, and really understanding how to develop and produce these things also, and so what does that mean? That means they're going to have to get better education, but I think that also what we should be able to do with people and children and, and things is really specialize, um, their, uh, their skills, uh, set, um you
1: know, rethink the education policy. I agree entirely on that. You know, use a more like Asian inspired model where very early on you're finding the kid's interests and you're getting them into a specialized field where even if they don't want to do that later in life, they've got a very unique skill set that can always come into play and be useful to that society. Sports
0: is a perfect model for that. You look at sports and look at how far people can excel in something, how far they can push their physical abilities when they go and specialize
1: in something. Um, and there's an infrastructure wondering. in place from a very early age yeah. to make them excel at to the make specialized. Them excel thing. at that thing what, that they're good at. What if we had engineering or math or science or whatever type of topic you're interested in? We had that type of infrastructure that we had for kids for baseball. Yeah. But for that. So instead of you know they're playing T-ball at six, they're going into a cool little chemistry thing for like little kids at six or seven or eight or whatever the earliest age you think the kid could learn about that at and trying to get them involved as early as possible with their minds most ready to absorb that information that's key i think we've learned i think studies. so yeah. yeah
0: and i'm sure that we have these things in there and they're kind of sporadic here and there you know intermittent little the, there's no the, there's no like something.
1: overall like structure for the actual education system like there no, is an asian now when you like you know because
0: like, you know, because you can start to you can start to wait uh, the way that you educate those uh, certain people um, during uh, their their progression through the, the, the structure or the hierarchy of, of, of grades, um, you know, saying like you were saying, science. Well, you can all of a sudden their 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 curriculum is heavy science. You know, because that's what they're good at. That's what they show interest in. It's not see. And here's the funny thing too: is that we're not actually manipulating this this system or the way that the brain is. What you're actually doing is you're facilitating growth in an exponential way. Because when you're interested in something and you're passionate about something at an early age, those are the things that's like the most pure. And those guys, you, you're you're not you're, you're 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 letting them be masters of something that they already love doing. We're
1: not – Ultimate. The, yeah, we're not
0: this. You know, that everybody says, go after what – do what you love and the money will come. But our system isn't like that. Our system says, learn about all this shit and then try to pick something when you're 20 and do be really good at it when you're 40.
1: Well, we're not designed to excel at everything. We're exa- designed to excel at you know a few small things. The lucky few might be more than one thing. Maybe if you're lucky, even one thing. Instead, our system is built more to like make everyone average at everything.
0: Yeah, that's what happens. Where you excel at nothing. That's what happens when you learn about too much shit. Yep. It's just the way. Yeah. If you're going to freaking business school, why are you taking literature?
1: And you learn about it in the wrong way. Where like the goal of learning about it is not to actually use it and institute it in your way of thinking or have some application to your life, but to use that information as a qualifier to test how good you can remember that information or resupply it in a way that's termed you know, positive. Mm-hmm. So the teacher can say, Hey that, that he wrote that answer very smartly, he's an A student. Right. Well, if that's just the goal of learning it, then you're not really applying it to any way of thinking except to get somebody's approval.
0: Way to repeat part of the question in your answer, Tom.
1: You know, you're filling out Scantron. You're remembering this information. You might be learning something, but you're really learning that this is how society works ultimately. Right. Society's goal is to test you and get you to earn other people's approval so you can move ahead in the system. Whatever, whichever little alleyway you choose, whichever business venture you choose, guess what? You're going to be getting your boss's approval. You're going to be trying to meet their numbers, just like getting your test scores. Right? You're going to be trying to get your next grade, get your next promotion. It's very modeled after like the modern economy in that regard. Mm-hmm. And so we got to change that.
0: Right. And and to what I'm saying is I think that right now, I think that we have a lot of jobs that are a little bit more dynamic, that you might need a little bit more diversity in your education uh, and some of your knowledge. But I think that moving forward and tying into what we were talking about with technology is I think that it's going to be more and more specialized. And I think that those demands on – um, people are going to be more and more specialized due to the nature of production and the nature of the way business is is conducted through these um, technologically advanced mediums uh, and uh, assets. And so, I think that we're going to have to adapt
1: in order to better wield that technology. Adapt or die, man. Darwinism at its best. So we'll, we'll see what happens in that. I'm really interested to see. How technology keeps reshaping the job market and the economy, you know, it could be uh, a brave new world type future in a good way or a bad way. If, if we can keep things going, it's just a question of can we keep building on our momentum and sustaining this infinite growth paradigm mm-hmm. while improving technology for 400 million people who keep on popping out kids. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy situation to find yourself in. So I'm going to be fascinated to watch.
0: Moving to the moon.
1: We'll see Terraform baby. I wanna to go to uh I wanna to go to Mars. There so, you, go. you know, with uh Hauser. With Hauser? Hauser? Total recall? Dookie Hauser? Hauser. Oh Hauser. Hauser.
0: Oh yeah. Houser. I'm Quaid now. Dude do you think I'm that? not Hauser, I'm Quaid. Do you think that they're gonna find that uh ice uh, mountain? In Mars? Yeah, where you know with the alien they push the thing
1: down. <laughs> it makes it gives it an atmosphere again. I don't know. I'll ask Quatra. Yeah, I'll ask yeah, Quadra yeah, when I, like I find him. So from there, we moved on to episode four, which became a a theme. We almost seemed to like have to avoid this year, if so often occur in the news. Good cop, bad cop, which was basically, you know, I think that was about the Walter Scott shooting yes. in North Charleston. You know, there've been a lot of police shootings and incidents mm. over the year, and we ended up covering more later. But uh, you know, I'll just touch on this briefly and say this is like something that probably been going on all the time every year in crazy amounts. It's actually been going on less and less only because of the prevalence of technology. Now that everybody has a video phone and camera phone, we're really seeing a blowback to like this police state that's yeah. been growing for so oh, yeah. long. Like the nineties and millennials, they've no idea that like in the late eighties, you know, cops didn't have APCs and SWAT teams everywhere and armored carrier vehicles and they weren't <laughs> they weren't they didn't have this impression that they were killed. maybe they were doing it at the same time just a high rate, but there was a different perception of the police now with these videos coming well, out this know. year it's changed the perception i think that people have you, you the, know you the, feel a little more a little of more change, worrisome about it
0: The beginning of the change was in the early nineties you know or or late eighties when the you know compton was driving those freaking battering rams through people's houses and shit.
1: Um, you think the riots, the Rodney King riots, before that? Before
0: that? Yeah, it was like right before that when they were doing that. Um, pretty much, the, it was the whole war on drugs thing, yep. and they were like driving like this, like tank through the front yard of people, through the front doors of people's houses, this big battering ram thing. Bang! Was that Reagan time? Yeah, uh,
1: or Bush two, or Bush one, maybe? The Reagan started the initial war on drugs, and know Bush continued it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, he was the Just Say No campaign. War on drugs was Nixon, so it goes back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the, but, one, the one who really ramped it up was Reagan with the funding, I think. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, but anyway, uh, so what were we talking about, Walter
1: Scott? What well, were we talking about? The, just, you know, the nature of what we've seen with basically oh, an, oh an, yeah an the escalation an,
0: of an, police an, uh, yeah. An you endemic, look around and it, I mean it's like a, it's like they're all full tactical this that the other.
1: But it's endemic um, of, of police violence that's getting reported in the news, specifically against minorities. And I guess my question to you would be. Do you think this is something that's been happening historically all the time and now it's just getting reported more, A, yeah. because of journalism and we have video cameras and B, that there's this perception now like, hey, when there's a police shooting, we're not going to take their word for it. When they say, yeah, he came at us with a knife and it's like, well, if he's going to get to my, show. it's like, hey, let's go to the dash cam. Yeah. Let's go to the body cam. Let's yeah. go to the other police report. But
0: you know what? I mean, you're entrusting, you're entrusting people to police. A community of people. They have authority. They have guns. They can ruin your life. They, it, it can be the end all be all. Um, they can make very, very bad decisions. Some oversight and accountability in video cameras to me is just makes sense. Makes sense. I mean,
1: you think yes. You, you think, like we always talked about, you would want that so that way you could, the guy can't lie. The guy right. can't say, hey, you know, I didn't step towards him. Why'd he shoot me? Video shows he lunged at me.
0: Exactly, Proof right so I there. You know. So was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guy, so, guy, guy
1: pulled a knife and he ran at me. He didn't just stand there. I think you touched on
0: something earlier that made a lot of sense. Um, and, and there's this all there's this like total sum like mentality, right? Where it's like, if I say police brutality is bad and we need to end police brutality, and this happens a lot and it's it, it's it's a it's a it's an epidemic. In the modern police state, everybody thinks that means I hate cops.
1: Quentin Tarantino experienced that with his, you know, when I see a murderer, oh, yeah, I've got I to call that. him a murder, and the murderers, murderers. As if that, like, groups this one oh, incident over everybody. Everybody, who's a about everybody
0: that wears a badge. Yeah. And that is not what he was saying.
1: He's just saying that if I, if I
0: see a murder I've got, I, I got to call
1: the truth the truth when I see it. Yeah. And so if a cop commits a murder, That isn't justified. That makes him a murderer, regardless of whether he's a cop or not. He's just a person. A cop is his job. That's secondary. Exactly. You know, like we're we're acting as people. Uh Cop doesn't somehow make me a god and I no longer commit murder, but just acts that are, you know, approved by the state. Exactly. Exactly. So we we need to reframe how we look at how people are perceiving what cops are and what a cop is. A a cop's a job and it's a job that's very entrusted and something that needs to be respected and we should really look up to and hold high standards for and all that. But it's a job. If they weren't getting a salary, they wouldn't be doing it. So it doesn't somehow elevate you to some guardian of justice. Right. You know, there's reason we have judges and juries. A cop's just there to police, protect, serve, not dispense what he deserves, you know, decides is his version of justice exactly. in that moment. Exactly.
0: He's not at liberty to do that.
1: And we see that more with cops, like forcing escalations. Like when that lady who they think committed suicide and hung herself in the jail. Mm-hmm. Completely could have been avoided. Completely could have been avoided. But the cop from the video, I mean, we know without a doubt. He created a situation because he was upset that he didn't like that the woman was giving him a little bit of lip service. So he forcibly created a situation where he could justify arresting her. And basically he created the situation. Instead of taking the role of my goal is to protect and serve. So if the state's going to try to make me a ticket collector, a revenue generator, I'm going to do that with the impression of, well, I'm doing it with the smiling face, and doing it with try to try to help people, yep. you know. Which is like, man, I, I hate to have to give you this ticket, but you know, like, you know, you did make this violation, and this is what happened, and I, I just want you to be aware of it, so you don't get this ticket in the future. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even want to give it to you, but this is my job, and it's on camera, and this is what we're paid to do. So I hope you understand. It's tough to hate on somebody when they do that. Listen, and I, you know I understand. I, mean? I understand
0: that that, that the police is, that. Police officers' jobs can get difficult. they're revenue they I understand, rev- the generators, I understand that criminals, tax collectors. I understand that criminals tell lies and like there's so there's a, a, a sense that you always have to get to the bottom of something because somebody's lying to you. I understand this. But the fact of the matter is is that you are there to
1: police and enforce rules, right? You should be a master of de-escalation. You should be like a referee, but you you should be even more than a referee you should be a master of de-escalation, right? Your goal should be like, how do we stop the thing from getting worse? You might've seen that crazy video trending like a week or two ago, it's from a while back, but it's how police in Britain deal with knife-wielding maniacs. It's like a knife-wielding maniac with a machete in the streets of Britain. Nobody has guns there, so like, usually crazy people only have knives. What do the cops do? 20 of them get around them in a circle with protective, riot gear shields, all wearing, all vested up, and they don't approach him, they give him his space, and they're just, like, talking to him, trying to get him to calm down. Sometimes he lunges at him. They all just make a shield and go around it. And over the course of 10, 15 minutes, you know, he makes a couple lunges, stabs some shields a couple times, eventually just sits down and throws the knife away. And he goes to jail. And they give him some psychiatric help. What would we have done in America? We would put 15 fucking rounds in the guy in about two seconds. Drop the knife, drop the knife, and everybody hails a volley of bullets. See, he didn't drop the knife. he needed to die. That's not how you de-escalate. It. You know, like the Tamir Rice case where they just roll up and shoot a, 12-year-old kid in a park who has a toy gun, is that how you should de-escalate a situation where you see a young kid with a gun? They didn't get out of time. I'm just saying, if you really had a gun, is that really the right approach? Drive up, tell him to drop it. If he doesn't drop it in a second, shoot him.
0: Or a kid runs and then you chase him down and throw him in the back of a paddy wagon and break
1: his neck. You know what I mean? Like, There's a lot of ways where you're like, we need to assess and see if we can de-escalate this. Yeah. This doesn't have to be a position where we're arresting this person, murdering this person, writing them a ticket. If we can change that frame of and thinking. The
0: other side has to remember too that sometimes people fuck up. Of course. And they get shot by cops.
1: Of course. Sometimes people do the videos don't lie. Sometimes they're super justified. Right. People do crazy stupid things. Yeah. They have their hand in their waistband. They act like they're doing something when they shouldn't. Yep. You know, there needs to be a, a a very clear presence that, you know, if you do stupid things in a dangerous situation, well you could just get like shot.
0: not all cops. Our, crim- our, our murderers are, or are bad? Not all people on the other side are, uh, are innocent either.
1: Of course not. But you know, just because you're guilty of a crime, it doesn't mean you're guilty of being a bad person.
0: Right. Everybody, oh, that's, every, that's very
1: everybody's true. guilty of varying crimes all the time to varying degrees. You okay. know, you're like me. We, we agree with Hunter S. Thompson that in the land of the criminal, the only crime is getting caught. Very true. You know what I mean? If you've jaywalked, you've, you've broken the law. Everybody's J-law. Criminals. People probably do it every day. So, you know, you're a perpetual, habitual criminal. You don't respect the laws of the state. You choose when you want to obey the laws everybody of the state. Speaks. And everybody does that to varying degrees. Everybody says, these are the laws of the state, and I'm going to obey them to how I see fit based on how I want to live my life. And people, like, shape it around that. That doesn't mean they're right or wrong. It just means we need to assess are these persons' actions implicit of them being a bad person who's trying to cause harm to others? And we need to put them in jail or fine them or arrest them? Or is this a mistake that a good person made that didn't really hurt anybody in any way where the state benefits from either taxing them with a fine or putting them in jail? So if we can avoid this type of like way of thinking and this type of police training in the future, I think we'll see less of these incidents. I mean, bo- body cameras are a move in the right direction. But I think it all
0: comes down to training too, like you touched on. But yeah, I mean and, – and, and this is a common thread. We actually did have to try to avoid it throughout the year. It's, it's really a sad, sad state of affairs when uh, you – there's so much of it that in a, in a social commentary type of podcast that you just consciously avoid talking about it.
1: Well, the things that seem so obvious, you keep having to talk about. It. You know what I mean? Like most of the points we try to make, they seem so obvious to us, yet we keep seeing these cultural institutions – committing these violations of reality, ethics, and integrity, and it's disgusting. It should be like common sense. Yeah, you don't shoot the guy in the back when he's running away. You know, like, should we have to train you on that? I mean, you look like you've been trained on how to, like, plant weapons on him to make it look like he was doing this and how to lie to the investigators and do this and that, but, you know, you don't look like you've been trained on the basics of human decency. So it's a crazy world we're living in, Matt. I, I actually don't see it moving in the right direction because we're still seeing the police institutions
0: Dude,
1: some crazy do, do everything they can to just be like, we're going to like defend this guy at all costs, okay. even when there's video evidence proving that something went horrible. Yeah. So hopefully we won't be talking about it next year, but something tells me we will <laughs> From then we moved on to an interesting story. You know, we always tried to change it up and we actually avoided racism or police violence for a week because we went with water, water, none for your daughter. Oh. Where we talked about the drought crisis in California. And how Nestle was actually permitted for over 20 years, or not permitted, to keep sucking uh, a a spring of hundreds of millions of gallons of water. So it's still an interesting time in California. We're still in drought, but it doesn't really feel like much has changed, does it?
0: No, it doesn't feel like much has changed at all. I mean, I don't think I was using that much water to begin with. I know that there's like… You you
1: weren't
0: watering your golf course? No, I wasn't. Um, you know, I have a couple of holes out back, little three, three little par threes. Um, nice. and, uh, they're brown right now. Uh, doing your part, but you know, uh, you gotta rough it sometimes. <laughs> it's a rough life. It is, it you is know? a rough life, you know, but, uh, no, you know, I don't think, it doesn't feel like much has changed. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, there, we, we talked a lot, a lot of destructive things that happen during this process and the pumping process is just one of the destructive things, um, that happens the other uh, being the, the plastic waste and the, you know, the, the plastic that's in the sea, the parts per million that's in like, the oceans and stuff like that. Um, or not parts per million but the weight of, uh, what was it? It was like a couple million kilograms or something of freaking plastic. In the South Pacific.
1: Anyway, oh, that, don't quote that, me on the, that. The Pacific Garbage Island you're talking
0: about? Yeah, the Garbage Island is and stuff. Yeah. Where, and so, like, you know, you get the desertification of certain areas because they move the water out where it used to be, you know, in the Irrigation issues, and yeah. Stuff like that, irrigation. You know, I mean, we just have to be. We have to continue to be cognizant of the clean water that we have. Every time that I look and, like, I go flush the toilet and I see the clean water go down it, like, or I go to take a shit and, like, clean water's in there, it makes absolutely zero sense to me. I have no idea why it's like that. I wonder um, where it goes. I wonder where it goes. I wonder why there's clean water in the bowl that I'm about to freaking piss in. A whole fucking gallon of it. it. Makes absolutely no sense. But anyway, that's the here or there. Um... We still need to be cautious of what we're doing with water, especially in California, and uh, pray for snow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, El Nino 2.0. Hopefully it gets here soon. Yeah. You know, we we definitely need it. I think it's the only time when California is like, El Nino, yeah, man, come on. I always thought this story was interesting regarding the fact that you have, like, a a national resource, like water. It's supposed to be all of ours. We're all supposed to share it. So you think, like, we'd have, like... You know, like they have in the airports, they've got the water filling stations where you can get like clean water for free. You think those would be everywhere? Yeah. Like water fountains for everybody, free filling stations for everybody. No, we're gonna let like corporations basically just like do what they want, and then take this national resource and resell us our own resource yeah. and destroy the planet in the process by fucking sticking so much plastic in the ocean that it just kills everything in there. Or resell, it's ridiculous a, to me. or
0: resell a resource that we already pay taxes on, like the freaking municipal water supply in certain areas. Jesus, like, are you kidding me? anyway yeah that's neither here nor there listen Nestle, get your goddamn permit
1: <laughs> <laughs> right hey it's better than tap water or so they say even though it tests exactly the same yeah. as tap water yeah. yeah so from there we moved on next week to another police story so we can just kind of move by this quickly this was the freddie gray story six shades of gray like we said you know police violence black people, story, probably uh, the trending story of the year. Yeah. So with, along with social justice warriors, I'd say yeah. it was like this uh, Black Lives Matter movement. These were like the two big cultural movements yeah. of the year.
0: And at the very least, negligent.
1: Yeah, but I'd, so. say, I'd say if you had to look at the two big cultural movements this year, the two biggest, remember like Occupy Wall Street during the, the bank bailouts. That was kind of the cultural movement of the year. This, the two movements of the year, I'd say are social justice warrior revolution and the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like the two things that really just resonated every month of the year it seemed like, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think that and uh, the uh, Iran uh, nuclear deal.
1: <laughs> you really think that was resonating every <laughs> year? Come on. No,
0: every. no, no. But it doesn't perpetuate though, right? Like this one like discontinues, like these, these things are, are going There's always, a ongoing, There's always a new story. There's always a new story, right? Yeah. It's like endless. So, yeah. So that's the thing there.
1: So that was uh, interesting too because I mean, God, we talked about that in May 8th of 2015. That's when we posted it. Uh, Damn. But uh, so in the beginning of May we did that story. They just had the first officer go to trial. Right. And we're in the beginning of December. Yeah. So it's been six, seven months, and you know, like trials just starting for first officer. So it just shows you how long and drawn out the process is.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know what I mean? Like, think they'd have the facts by now, but like, we can't mess anything up. This is literally like a two-year process now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Just, just, uh, just got to throw in there.
1: So a lot of stories we covered last year will probably see the end result of either the trial or the police investigation later next year. So, yeah, wait, how wait, many wait, officers wait, were might do a nice little follow-up on some of these stories six, and see see what happens.
0: Was it six officers in that?
1: I think so. So yeah, so
0: it was just the first one now? Yeah, just the first one. continue through next year yeah. and maybe into the 2017.
1: And I think the one they're doing now it wasn't even like one that was initially involved in the arrest, but they like came and followed the car, you know, mm-hmm. so they're being, you know charged with being an accessory because they didn't, now we get into the shady police stories again where, you know, he asked for a medic but he didn't tell me he couldn't breathe so I thought he was just lying, <laughs> you know, even though I said in the initial police report that he said he, he can't breathe, uh, I, I, he definitely didn't say that now, definitely didn't. he just said he needed a medic and, you know, they lie all the time and say that, so, you know, I didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Reasonable person can make that mistake. Of course, we play that game. Everybody has a flip top. The funny thing is, it's like if you made that mea culpa and you're like, you know what, I'm not a bad person. Like, literally, I made this terrible mistake. I thought he was lying. I should have gotten him help. I'm so sorry. That's the type of person where I'd be like, you know what, maybe this guy doesn't need to go to jail. Maybe he needs, you know, lose his job, this, that. But like, this guy's proved he's a decent person who made a mistake. And we can look at his track record and history and how he upheld himself in the situation. And not be like, yeah, well, you deserve 10 years in jail for making this mistake. We're going to ruin your life because of it. We need to call into question the context of the story before we apply punishment. But we don't even allow people to ever make that mea culpa to offer that so people never play that game. They're like, the only way out is to play the lion game. And that works. The mea culpa game never works somehow, right?
0: No. No, but you would think that the person of character would be...
1: Matt, if you were going to go to jail for 10 years and I told you, you know what, if you're a person of character and you're truthful and honest and culpable, you know, there's a 10% chance to let you go or a 90% chance to you get your 10 years. Or if you lie and play this game, there's a 90% chance you get off and a 10% chance you go to jail. What are you going to gamble with the 10 years of your life? Where's your integrity? Oh. Exactly. It's just like when people offer you the $10 million to, to, do, to do something unethical. <laughs> people always say, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. That always changes when the money's in the room, doesn't right. it? When it actually becomes a real situation. Right. So you'd be like, Yeah, I totally would uphold my morals. Well, when you're really facing that prison term, nobody upheld their morals. Maybe the one guy does. Maybe the one the one percent of the one percent. Right. But pretty much everybody else. It's impossible to uphold your morals yep. in that situation. The stark reality of, you know, your life being ruined is outweighed by the game you're forced to play. So it's a tragic situation on both sides. Yep. It is. So from there we moved on to uh, a round robin where we touched on a bunch of interesting stories. This was episode seven, round robin number one. We did another round robin later in the year. It's kind of a fun thing, bounced okay. around some different topics. We did NSA program on phone records as illegal, mm-hmm. court rules. Uh, one about the Mexico border and how these border towns are getting just polluted All the Oh, pollution into from the, the It's from the
0: border lines getting stuck out there in uh, the in- Inland Empire, or not the Inland Empire, what do they call that place out there?
1: Let's, uh, let's take a quick look. I know what you're talking about. It's like a little valley yeah. or something out there. Yeah,
0: like Mexicali.
1: Mexicali, I think, was like, the, uh, yeah, the county. Uh,
0: remember that uh, the, the nurse, the, the nurse went out there. Imperial in whole, Valley. The Imperial Valley. And, her, and the nurse went out there and her whole family got asthma. It's like how bad it is. And it's just like this overlooked problem in the United States in certain little poor areas with uh, communities and things. It's pretty pretty hard. Yeah. And the NSA thing, I mean, like, What's crazy about that is after the French, after the Paris attacks, you know, it just reared its ugly head again about this encryption and, and you know, the, the phone tapping and all these things. And and all these people, like Brennan and, and some of these other people, uh, were spewing this stuff about, oh, we need to get to the phones and, you know, and this, that and the other, way before they even knew that phones even had anything to do with the actual terrorist attack. So it's just so... Oh, man, so tiring.
1: (laughs) It can be. Snowden actually leaked some info in an interview where he talked about this program the military has where they're basically complicit with the phone manufacturers, which implicated the software providers as well, like Apple and everyone. There's a feature in your smartphone, apparently. The government can turn on your phone without it turning on, without you knowing it when your phone's off. It's like a secret kill switch device that they can remotely access on anybody's phone so in theory your phone could be completely off and on your desk and they could turn it on so it could start basically be acting as a microphone and listening to everything in the room according to snowden that's some crazy shit like i didn't
0: hear that but that's
1: like we're talking like
0: that's some, 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 some right
1: next there. level homeland stuff you know oh, what i'm talking not about cool. not cool not at all. so that was two of the th- uh, five stories we also did uh Five ways the armed guard industry is out of control. Oh yeah. Or he talked about how it takes twenty <laughs> times as much training to become a nail technician as it does an armed security guard. Some states yes. it was like six hours of training in yes. Arkansas, stuff like yes. that.
0: Give them
1: a gun. Hey, they're ready they're ready to shoot shoplifters, clearly. Oh, yeah. uh, our next story that day was the US military personnel who'd been convicted of fifty million dollars worth of uh, economic crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan basically how a lot of soldiers were being implicated in these schemes to like allow like munitions to be stole and oil to be stolen resold uh, it was just crazy that you know basically we're looking at these situations of war as economic opportunities even down to the level where it's permeated to the soldiers right
0: well they've been taught by the
1: best hey if if daddy who sent me here to kill everyone's making money off it why shouldn't I Yeah, you know what I mean yeah. that's a, a natural progression of thinking mm-hmm. logically and our last one that day was uh, let's touch close to home because it was about a UCSD student where a DEA agents oh. left him in a cell for five days with no food or water because they forgot about him he was arrested in like a, a raid on a you know a weed house or something he was just smoking pot there right. buying some weed and they forgot about him for a week Easy.
0: Crazy! I don't have anything else to say about that. They received
1: like, they received light punishments. I think it was like the, you know like a month with no pay and a letter how, of like a, le- a, a letter of record.
0: How about you just like one day you're like walking down a little the cell block you're like oh 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 shit like yeah there you
1: are. Well, it wasn't like a cell block. It was like it's like a house. You're doing. It was like a holding facility. Nah, you know, so like this isn't like a jail or this or that. It's like a special like holding facility where only a few people work and are. So, you know, if they they leave the the holding facility, I don't know how big a building it is. Maybe it's you know a couple thousand square feet. Like that
0: Holman Square shit in Chicago.
1: For, exactly. Oh. You know what I mean? You would assume there'd be a, a a guard with video cameras in everybody's cell at all time or something like this. I don't know how the DEA runs their shit. Mm-hmm. From this, I'd say they don't run it too well. But you know, <laughs> it's just one instance. Just this one instance. Yo. So that round robin, a lot of interesting stuff. I remember we uh, we really were interested in bouncing so many stories that week that we decided to do it later. Uh, but from then on, we moved to let's see here episode number eight: the ugly business behind the beautiful game, which is about the FIFA scandal, still ongoing.
0: Still ongoing. Just rounded up uh, like five more right on Thursday.
1: The story that's did keep, they get
0: bladder yet?
1: You know, I think they charged them, but like I don't know if they did. It's. It's going to be the story that basically keeps going every you gotta year. You've got to the head
0: off the snake,
1: people. You've got to crush FIFA. You've got to be. Yeah. FIFA, everyone involved, thank you for your service. You're fired. Pretty much. We're starting a new soccer organization. has these standards and policies. Guess what? None of you are making any money on it. Yeah. Oh, what? Nobody wants to be involved in this project. Right. Amazing. Weird. You know, these, these huge, you know, so-called charitable organizations that try to get not-for-profit status. The only people involved seem to be like the richest, fattest, oldest dudes in those countries who are trying to siphon off wealth from others' work. Mm-hmm. You know, they're literally like the, the false promoters of the beautiful game. Exactly. You know? For sure. Hey, for arranging Qatar to do this, we deserve bribes of 5 to $10 million each. For making players play at 130 degree <sighs> temperatures, Qatar. that's what we deserve. We're going to geoengineer some clouds. Yeah, of course. And so we're going we're gonna to invent technology that doesn't exist yet on a set time frame.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, it's one, though it's one thing to be like, hey, we could invent this technology in the next 20 years. Like, hey, we could invent it then, but give us the money and we'll invent it in eight. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. How can, yeah. you, gar- how can you guarantee future technology? I don't
0: know. I have no idea. I have no
1: idea. T- anyway, get a supply,
0: crush FIFA.
1: Boom. Even Platini's getting caught up in that scandal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: From then, we moved on to uh, living inside out. Oh, well. Well, this was Rachel Dolezal. And,
0: yeah, Rachel Dolezal. But, you know, we... Kind of touched we, on both we, of them. We
1: used Caitlyn Jenner as kind of a mirror for just a situation, and maybe not to equate them to be an equivalent, right. but there is some equivalence.
0: But a little cross-comparison.
1: There is some equivalence. To say there's mm-hmm. none is to be blind to the truth, just like to say they're the same is to be blind to the truth. There's some crossover, and it was just interesting to analyze how society reacted to each one and justifies gender as being something that can be fluid, but race is something that is culturally imprinted. Right. And whether or not that's a legitimate debate. So this one was just a, a complete, you know, twisting my brain seventeen different ways. <laughs> it did. It you was know, very I'm, complicated. I'm, I remember
0: I'm, struggling for the way to actually um, articulate my thoughts um, on yes. the subject uh, during the podcast. But, you know, the one thing I do have to say is that, and it goes back to the safe space, the PC thing, is that right now the transgender community is going after, you know, um, what's the uh, the the movie Zoolander
1: two, right, about the way that they're Benedict um, Cumberbatch playing a, ambisexual model, right, right? like right. You, know, you keep you gender neutral,
0: right. So it goes back to the whole idea that you know some things are, I mean, it's. It, we're not making fun of the
1: people. It, it, you're still struggling a for character. words, Matt. Matt, you're still struggling for words. You no, know, but he's playing a character.
0: And he's playing a character as a caricature these of something. And people play a character as a These people don't have a sense of humor. Right,
1: exactly. The social justice warrior community has no sense of humor. They never will. For me, what I thought was crazy about this story was that everybody agrees, I think... Or at least you and me agree. Um, you know,
0: That's everybody.
1: We should give people the freedom. We should give people the freedom to be who they want to be, as long as it doesn't impact us personally. They're making those decisions for themselves. So if Bruce Jenner wants to become Caitlyn Jenner, or in my opinion, if Rachel Dolezal wants to, you know, live life as if she's black, I could care less. That's her personal freedom. Right. You know what I mean? What calls into question me is when the social justice warrior community is deciding, well, we're gonna decide that, you know. If you want to make that decision to be transgender, not only is that something that we should support, but we should promote that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in right. this, well, in this other case, not only should we not support it, we should attack it.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, and n- not recognize any equivalencies between the two, where we're saying one person should have the freedom to live their life in a certain way, and we should create a society in where we promote that lifestyle, we're and gone. the other, and the other one. We need to completely like impugn what it implies about us.
0: Well, you can you can say that you know both of them are you know could be um, brought on by nurture over nature too. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I know people say that you know you're born this way or whatever, but you know it's also you know what you what you see is what your reality is. What you experience is your reality. And if you experience life as if you're um, transgender or the other gender or cisgender or no gender or whatever, then um, you know, then, then you could also say that that happened to Rachel Dolezal and what her brothers and sisters were black. They experienced like a, a black a child. traumatic
1: childhood. Her husband's black, went to a black college, this, that. You could go yeah. on and on and d- discuss, you know, the psychological implications yeah. of it, get lost in that rabbit hole. But the main thing is, it's like, who decides what should be promoted and what should be promoted? You know, like you and me would say, okay, you should have the freedom to live either lifestyle. You should be free to not be attacked. You know, like we don't want to promote a society where people are, you know, attacking you, being violent towards you. But if somebody doesn't like what you're doing, and this isn't me, but if somebody says, hey, I don't think you you should be able to be transgender, I'm against that. I think that person should be free to have that opinion, of and we shouldn't say, hey, you're a complete piece of shit, and your right. opinion has no merit, we should ask you about your opinion, what it's based on, and have that discussion, and maybe your opinion is without merit, and maybe it is disgusting, but if we don't allow you to say that statement and have your opinion, we can never have that debate. You know what I mean? That's what we can't get back is, to the is. The problem
0: is, is that people can't dislike something and accept it at the same time. It's a very hard thing to do, right? It's so Two, thing, hard two to, things can be true at once,
1: right? Yes, you know, this person should have the freedom to do what they want and I should have the freedom to not like it. Right. To a degree where I'm, not, very hard or, somebody, I'm not being violent towards this it's person. It's very hard
0: for somebody to come to that place in themselves to do that.
1: For sure. It's like we almost won acceptance for the disenfranchised of a barrel of a gun. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And that's a natural reaction. And that's what I was saying. That's
0: the wrong way to go about it. That's why the, these movements
1: have well, trouble. The, the counterargument and not... Not to say I'm on that side, but to play devil's advocate is who are you to say what pace the movement should move at? You know, like that's what minorities would say all along. You know, like when African-Americans wanted equal rights or gays wanted equal rights, their whole lives, their whole history as a minority has been people telling them, you know, you can't have those or just wait a little longer. We're making progress. And they're like, well, why shouldn't I have what you've always had the entire time? And you're the one telling me when I should have it. Right, that's the devil's advocate argument, and there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there?
0: There is a lot of truth in that, um, and I'm not talking about the the oppression of people. I'm talking about um, more about the speech that is used and 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 per, and the way it's perceived. You know, there's there's two there's two layers of those movements, right? Of course, there's there there's the oppression layer where there's they're fighting for rights like gay marriage and other things like this. And then there's a whole nother layer where it's just fighting for the acceptance of others who don't agree with the way that they, they do things. Um, now, those people will never actually agree with the way that they do things no matter how loud this side gets.
1: You'll never convince somebody of something at the you barrel of a gun. You can't change
0: somebody else's mind. Only they can change their mind for themselves.
1: You can change somebody's actions at the barrel of a gun. But you can't change their mind. What so, they actually think on the inside will not be reflected in how they behave. And that's they'll be polite to you while secretly hating you.
0: And that's why we're seeing the civil rights thing bubble up right now again. That's the problem, is that they, they 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 you 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 pushed it back to the point where you didn't have the KKK burning crosses and like it wasn't the Black Panthers on this side and you know um so and and the Chicago police on the other side um, and you basically you 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 basically that that went away and it died down. So the rhetoric and all those things went down. But the actual feeling of oppression and all those institutionalized things had already had, had always stayed in place, maybe in a softer form, but now you're seeing the all of it come back to life because it was ignored for so long. And you didn't change minds at all. That stuff was still passed down to other generations till now. They still feel the same way. But the problem was is that they didn't say, you're a freaking, you know, N-word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the ra- out
1: and open. Exactly. The, the racism and all these problems, the sexism, they're very institutional. Yeah. So how, how can we fix institutional problems?
0: They're, culture- gener- they're generational.
1: Well, we have to fix the institutions but we but the institutions are designed to perpetuate or transcendent, or transcendent you know so it's very very difficult to like change the, the institution of law enforcement right right that's the that's the whole goal of black lives matter like occupy wall street their goal was to change how banking's done how good did they do with that <laughs> so how good do yeah. you think the black lives matter is going to do at well, changing police culture it's going to impact it but i'm just saying these institutions they're so designed to perpetuate themselves that any change is gonna be so gradual, it'll be only when the system knows it can basically endure that change. Yeah. It's like, we'll make this little bit of change and give this little bit of ground when we feel secure enough. Yeah, That's the only yeah. point we give that ground. Yep. If we feel like giving that ground puts us at risk, not happen. Right, not ever. Right, So, what if the cop was
0: white but acting like a black guy?
1: I mean, is this like an SNL sketch or something like that? <laughs> I don't know, how serious are we being here? Oh. Okay.
0: But that changed things.
1: So that was like the halfway point of the year in July. We got into episode ten, dump on Trump. Early, early in the political race, Donald Trump was out to a lead, and we discussed his MSNBC interview or an N- NBC News interview with Katie. And Katis he's holding,
0: Silver. and he said some crazier shit than he said then, and he's even more egotistical and bombastic, and he's still winning, and it's scary as hell.
1: Hey, when you can try to extort CNN for 5 million dollars for a debate. Got to admit, got to give the guy credit. That that's some bravado right there. Yeah. When you're when you when you're a presidential candidate trying to extort a news network for money that you claim will be donated to charity, just I mean Donald Trump is the gift that keeps on giving. I I I don't hope he wins, but I do hope he's the Republican nominee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cuz as a, just a, a fan of comedy and entertainment and enjoying the wild way the world goes, that would just be a gift. That would just, you know, it it would give for like years after Such. the memes, the loops, the gifts we would get. It would just be unspeakable, unspeakable the amount of humor we'd get from it. Yeah, that, I look forward to it.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't even talk on this subject. Actually, he's the fact that he's winning just says a whole lot about the people that exalt
1: him. Hey, the fact that it's a meme—that bathroom where they painted his face over the the Rolling Stone mouths—so it looks like you're pissing in his mouth. Yeah, that just tells you everything you need to know about, uh, you know, a lot of society's feelings yeah, towards much. Donald Trump. Pretty much. Next week we went on to episode eleven, population in prison, where in the last week President Obama became the first sitting president to visit a federal penitentiary. So we talked about, you know, prison bankers profit from inmates, how for-profit prisons have become the biggest lobbying that no one's talking about, and we also talked about some statistics that showed the problems with for-profit prisons. So this is a problem that is going to keep, keep being a big issue as we go forward. It's become such a big money-making machine, and it's, it's a modern police state that uh, I don't know what we're going to do to fix this mess.
0: Well, like we were saying, that it,
1: to fix the prison system, you have to fix, fix
0: the judicial system in the way that... Uh, police, police, it's to, it starts on the front line. Got to
1: fix the institution.
0: Yeah, it starts on the front line, and, and the, whole, the whole apparatus itself uh, will change. But um, that's really, you know, the key topic there is to just have people be conscious that we do have prisons in this country that make money off of prisoners, and not just a little bit, and not just, um, it's it's... It's a business. It's a, it's a true, true business and they make money off of the commissary and they make money off of their phones and they make money off of every single thing that a prisoner does is basically a revenue generator besides them just sitting in their cell or sitting in a yard. But everything else that they do and everything out of the way that they interact with the outside world, everything like that, it costs money and somebody's making money off of it.
1: You said it great there, Matt. My, my one comment on it, I'll keep it simple. Whether or not the person deserves it, the institution in place is ultimately we're gonna torture somebody by making their life horrible and turn it into a jobs and money-making program. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what it boils down to. Maybe that person's a terrible person and they deserve, you know, some type of terrible treatment where we say, hey, this guy's a murderer, a rapist. He deserves to be tortured. But the fact of the matter is, we're systematically torturing people. To give people jobs and generate money, That's right. a fact. And
0: then, then we—that's an institution. And,
1: and then we put them back in the society, and then we
0: expect them to be upstanding citizens. This is the whole problem. We do, no, we don't.
1: We don't expect them. We, expect, we don't. Well, we, we expect them to go back to jail so we can keep making money off of them. Somebody does exactly, but like that's know, the recidiv- but, the, but the perception
0: is the perception that they try to paint the picture. That they try the, to marketing, paint, the marketing. The marketing brochure They're putting somebody back on the streets, and you know, and, and you know, we really want them to do well, but no, you're, he's right. He, the people get. Uh, caught up in this system and it's something that's like not a big deal.
1: Though. If you really wanted to do them to do well, then you'd be asking the question of should they be in prison in the first place and what type of you know impact is this going to have on this person's life, You know who they are as an individual, and of course you want to go down. Having a traumatic experience maybe helps some people anecdotally. Anecdotally, you know, Factually, the statistics show it ruins most people. That's why. Yeah, that should. You know what I mean? You can definitely have the gang bangers like, yeah, you know, when I did that hard time for that armed robbery, you know, I saw I didn't want to go down this life, and then I came out, became a pastor, and started my own business, and now I'm on Shark Tank. Right. That's great. That's a great anecdote. For most people, it ruins your life. Yeah. You go back in jail. Your family, your family disassociates with you. It causes problems that you know impact the lives of everyone you love around you. So we really just need to look at what the purpose of a prison should be. If it really is to rehabilitate, then we've got a ton of institutional problems with how everything's set up, the justice system, how the prisons are built and run. So it's a rabbit hole that needs another new episode next year, Matt. Yes, sir. But enough about prisons. How about lions and dentists and ghosts and stuff? Lions and dentists and ghosts and stuff. Yeah. What do you Um, think about that one, huh? You remember, have you heard anything about Cecil lately? You know how many lions have died in the meanwhile? Probably right. like a hundred.
0: Yeah, probably. Probably a yeah. hundred.
1: But they weren't shot by any dentist, and they weren't in any national parks. The most right. lo- the most loved dentists.
0: Most loved dentists. And the most the loved love, the most loved lions. Most loved, his name was Cecil? I had no idea.
1: I mean his yelp reviews were great before that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had four and a half stars. Who knows? Who knows? It's a, it's a that's another interesting topic. Doctor you know Bob did great work and then he shot that lion, his game got bad. Right, right. You should have seen
0: the cavities on that lion. Um, you know, I had a I had a couple of different stances on this um, previously, um, and I'll tell you after after listening to a lot of the villagers and the way that they talk about the lions, um, I was I, just articles. I had listened to the villagers. I wasn't on so Oh, you oh you didn't go to Kenya. Can I didn't speak I, to the villagers. I thought about it. Um, uh, but I had to take care of my golf course in the background. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, it's, brown. it's, brown and we it's got brown, brown, has got, we got to get some there exactly, or something. Exactly.
0: Um, but no, I read a couple articles and, and, and after this, uh, you know, when they were talking about other incidents, you know, where, where people are getting, you know, when they've taken away the permits, um, and people are getting terrorized by lions in their, in their villages and this, that, and the other as well. Um, you know, and now this was from a, a hunting guide and my whole thing was, is that I'm all for it. If, if there's a, if there's if there's a reason for it and it, and it's, and it's, and it's done legally, I'm I'm all for the whole, um, you know, pay to hunt type of situation. Um, you know, I just think that we, again, we have to be conscious of the fact that, you know, we, we, we live in nature and and, and those people and live in nature and they, and, and lions are part of nature and like, you can't just, we can't, we can't exterminate them either. You know what I mean? We have to be cognizant of the fact that you can't just...
1: I mean, but kill you, but you could. But you could. You could. could. And all, I mean, I think there's like some root core of us. Humans are ultimately like caught between two worlds where it's like, at our core we want to evolve and move towards this perfect utopia that we know is unrealistic. Right. And then at our core we know the truth. So like, the utopia is that we should all live in nature as one with the animals roaming freely like we're Noah on the ark. Walking amongst the birds and the bees and the lions and the bears, all living in perfect harmony. The reality is most of those animals will eat your face or your rotting corpse <laughs> yeah. and not care in the least about you. The vast majority of them, actually. Well, I'm that's not the saying fact. we should live in a same, like, this whole like, harmonious No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that's like the utopian idea. The reality is to some degree that a lot of these animals, whether or not they have humanistic traits, they have you know features that we can empathize with or they can – Develop some type of emotional bond because they've got the frontal cortex for it, like some of the larger cats, you can show the story of the lion running and hugging the guy when they got reunited. I mean, at its its core, we're in opposition with nature, and there are certain creatures that we can't live with. So lions in that degree, they put us in that unique position because we're like, well, we shouldn't actively be going out of our way to kill them because, you know, it's part of nature and it is a beautiful thing, but at the same time, if there's a bunch of lions running all over the place ripping people's faces off well we should just shoot them all they're killing machines there is a medium to find between those two things are true at the same time yes you know what i mean we should strive to live in a less violent world where we promote nature and living harmoniously but we need to acknowledge dangerous animals are dangerous and not meant to live around or near people so those two ideas are both true the Cecil the lion promoters are basically like no I, i have a Cecil the lion you know you know, stuffed animal. Stuffed animal. A plushie. Yeah, I got uh, that shit when I won the Tour de France stage. You know, if I saw Cecil, I'd give him a big hug right before it bit your goddamn head You know what, you did off.
0: say something that was very, very profound in that statement, Devin, and I just want to pull that out, but dangerous animals are dangerous.
1: Sometimes I'm profound like that, Matt. Oh, for sure. You know, sometimes the, the simplest truth is out in the open. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell you, people want yeah. <laughs> to believe that, like, that dangerous animal, it's only dangerous, like, by choice. You choose to make it dangerous. <laughs> right. It's like, be, be like that guy who went to Alaska and tried to live amongst the bears. See how well that works out for exactly. you. Exactly. You ever
0: seen that edited video where I think it's like the guy hugging the lion, but he, it, instead of like coming up and hugging him, he like racks his fucking arm off. You ever seen that? No. It was like an edited video out there somewhere. Yeah. Like it's pretty fun. Like photoshopped it? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it's I mean, like the lion's like, da, 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 da. you know, it's got this, the, the nice music and shit. Oh, it like, was a very uh,
1: jiffable moment, i sure. Yeah,
0: for sure. Open arms and all of a sudden the arms are like, Whoa! Eats that guy.
1: So, like I said, story for a week or two, ruin the guy's business. Yelp stars tank him. You know, what one star on Yelp? I heard he opened
0: up his practice again.
1: Yeah, this was in August of the year. So his PR move was, I got to go out of business for six months before I come back from the doldrums. Seems nobody cares anymore. No, nobody cares. Yeah. Not interested in the least. No, he had somebody help him out. But, you know, it, it was a moment for people to get behind the Simba the lion perception. Yeah. well, exactly. You know, because oh, lions, wow. like I said, they're a beautiful, majestic creature. Okay, well, A, should we be keeping them in zoos? Probably not. And B, if they are in nature, I mean, outside of going on, like, some safari guide to see them, we should be doing everything we can to stay the fuck out of their way.
0: Right?
1: You know what I mean? If, well, we, yeah. if, if we want to agree that these creatures sh- should be majestic and allowed to exist... What do you think that creature is doing to other creatures on the plane? The antelopes you love. This and that. I don't like the antelopes, dude. Okay, well, good, because that lion's jacking them up, nice. tearing their faces off. Good. So, you know, he's doing work out there. I'm fucking shit. Sure you know, like, like what you choose not to kill, that lion has no problem killing. <laughs> Pretty much every other animal out there that's not a lion, lion's got no problem killing it. Right. You know, you, you're like, you don't want to kill anything. Well, so if it's you or the line, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. I don't want to hurt you, Cecil. Yeah, Cecil. Can't we just be friends? Let's come here. Let's negotiate. Hug. Let's negotiate. Well, I'll get out. Sit down. Talk about our feelings. Right. On to well. that, we went to episode 13, Dopers, Doping, and Dope. This was probably our most extensive podcast where you and me were like super researched. A lot of our podcasts we researched, you and me went into like the doldrums on this because this has been a very interesting topic that... You know, from my interest in MMA and your interest in uh, you know like Olympic level racing, we've been able to follow like the doping history in professional sports for the better part of the decade. So, yeah. if anybody's listening to this, I promote this as one of like our top three podcasts to listen to. If you really want to get into some technical knowledge and a really well researched podcast, where we're discussing facts, theories, referencing other uh, you know books, podcasts. I really, really thought you killed that one, Matt. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh,
0: hey, yeah. it's, about,
1: it's about dope. <laughs> it's dope, about dope, dope. It was about dopers doping and dope. Dopers, dope and, I and I know dope you dope. know a little something about dope. I know a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know. Dopes for dopes. Dopes for
0: dopes. It is a fascinating um, topic because it really, what I like about it is, is that I, I like the the, the biological nature of it. I like, you know. First of all, I, I've, I've kind of researched a little bit about the way that these things interact in the body, just because, um, you know, you really want to get to the to the bottom of it. And it's about human performance, and it's about optimization, and it's about making you better. Because nobody can argue that these things make you better. The problem is, is that it makes you better.
1: <laughs> the, well, that's the ethical implications. The ethical implications so what, what does it mean right? by me being able to get better like this and other people not? Right. You know. Right. Right. Or, or me using this, but other people can't know about it. I can get better this way, but we, you know nobody gets to know. Right, But nobody gets to know. And that's really where the
0: problem lies, right It's really about the idea of this fallacy of like a level playing field, because I think that you brought up the point during the podcast about you have a kid that grows up in the, in the favelas of Brazil and um, you have a kid that grows up in the, uh, the, the, the suburbs of, of New York and they're growing up and they're going to, to, to play and train in, in, in soccer or whatever, or football or baseball or whatever it is and the one kid has the money to get the best coaches and get the best technology outside of taking steroids um, but is on a, a strict training regimen and a dietitian, and this, that, and the other, and that other kid doesn't have that doesn't have that, uh, opportunity. Um, so there really is never a level playing field, really. Um, even outside of that, uh, outside of, of taking drugs.
1: Yeah. It, it's just our like, perception of what we consider fair. That's the ethical right. implication, you know, right. we consider it fair. It's just the luck of the draw. Guess what? One kid got born into wealth. The other kid got born into poverty. And that's just, you know, the, the draw of luck. It's interesting that we're like, we're okay with you starting out with a bad hand. We're not okay with you making yourself have a good hand.
0: Right, and I think that it's also a misconception that the fact that these people are cheating and and it's some kind of shortcut, right? A lot of those guys train harder because they allow you to train harder.
1: It is a shortcut. that's, That's the thing. It is a shortcut, though. It
0: is, but it allows you to train harder. So at it, the same time, it, it, it so shouldn't take same, anything
1: away from the so work. So at the
0: same time that you're at the same time that you're rebuilding those muscles, it's the same time that you're able to go and put in three training sessions a day and work out the same as you know That's at the a same shortcut.
1: level. That's a shortcut because normally you'd have to do this workout over three days you instead of three in yeah. one day, right? That's, you still have to do it, right? Uh, nobody's saying it not work. Nobody's saying it isn't skill. Like, like I said, Vitor Belfort didn't kick three dudes in the head in a row because he you know shot a bunch of juice. He was in there practicing spinning tornado kicks all day, every day for years. That's how he did it. But what let him practice that much and work those techniques that yeah. much? It was the drug. That is the shortcut. For sure. Now, the drug itself is that a cheating method? When there's so many other ways to shortcut, right? right? What's an ice bath, or uh, you know, the what is it, liquid nitrogen chambers they're using for cooling now? Oh, okay that's a shortcut for recovery. Those aren't available to everybody. Is that right? the cryo stuff? I mean, uh, Conor McGregor and these guys, they got stem cells injected in their knees and yeah. shoulders, how with injuries. And they went out, so people used to go to the country to Germany yep. to get that, Like, yep. what didn't uh, Payne Manning get it for his neck? Yeah, didn't Rogan get that shit? I, it done. I think you can get it in the United States now. You can get it done in LA. It's like where they take your blood out, they spin it around oh, and yeah. re-inject you. But Rogan got the stem cells injected as well. But you can get the PRT.
0: Platelet, but or platelet, but or platelet hey, so wait—it's
1: okay for you to get stem cells injected good. in your knee, but it's not okay for me to take like you know a little more testosterone because my levels are low so because I'm getting older. Mm. But stem cells in your knee isn't a natural thing. That's mm. a short—that's a shortcut to recovery. Well, so a cortisone tr-
0: shot or any of these other Well, a,
1: a cortisone shot a steroid. Yeah, for
0: it's
1: sure. That's steroid, right? Right. That's what's the greatest thing to me. I always talked about football to people, and they big be like, "Football players don't use steroids." I'm like, "They use them openly." Guy gets hurt, he goes to the locker room, they shoot him up with cortisone, which is a steroid to mask pain. Then he comes back and plays. Right. He couldn't be playing if he didn't get that steroid. right well, was like that
0: one time, and they were talking about how fucking tough Romo was, and he's out there playing with a broken rib or, 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 shot, up rib or shot up on painkillers. He shot up on painkillers, you find out afterwards. Well, they shot him actually with
1: morphine or something like this, and you're like, he's not... He is tough, man. Come on. Man. You know what I mean? Like, listen, i not... I'm to not, have, have not, that mindset, though, to know you're horribly injured and be in that much pain and be like, yep, shoot yo, me up. I'm ready to go back Tony, and take it even the worse. Man. But yeah. I'm just saying it, it, wasn't, it wasn't how they were portraying it to be. But like it really is. though, I'm just saying. Like when you think about like the quarterback and the guys who go out injured and they take that shot, it's not that they're playing in that much pain. Maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. It's that they know the implications of what happens when those pain players right. wear off. Right. I'm going out there as Ben Roethlisberger. I don't even like Ben. I'm not from Pittsburgh either. Like you. <laughs> you know, I've never. And ben did nothing to me. Maybe it was the stories about him being a douche, trying to bang college girls in bathrooms. And stuff like that. Maybe it was the fact that grown men on ESPN keep calling him Big Ben with so much affection mm. that I can't help but just like have a distaste for he's it. But you can't argue out there. this guy takes some brutal hits and he's limping and this and that. Whatever they shoot him up with, he's got to go back out on the field like, yep, I've got like a broken ankle and a 300 pound giant juiced up gorilla monkey's gonna smash my head into the ground again. And then those painkillers are gonna wear off in a few hours and I get to really feel it. But, but. Hats off to Big Ben.
0: Took himself out of
1: the game. Had a head injury last weekend. He's getting old, man. He's smart, man. He's he's probably smart enough to know, though, that he couldn't play. He's like, I can't throw the ball. I can't stand straight. My equilibrium's gone. Knowing Ben, he'd take three concussions, and he'd have them reported as, like, stomach nausea. He's like, A-B
0: is pretty good, but I, I know that I just can't throw it up there.
1: You know, like, the guy gets, like, flash knocked out on a big hit, so he's not unconscious, but he gets up, and you can see he's wobbly, and then he goes to the locker room. Ben's the type of guy where, like, He clearly gets rocked in the head, gets knocked out, goes to the locker room, and then they go, oh, Roethlisberger's back. He had some nausea, they said from that last hit. (laughs) You know, that hit to the head really affected his bowels. Right, right. Like he shit himself because he went unconscious. (laughs) But yeah, let's leave that first out part out. Look, well, he went through the concussion protocol, and that was good. <laughs> His underwear was soiled, however. Now that we've addressed the real problem, yeah. he's good to play. Exactly. So yeah, knowing we know Roethlisberger, golden
0: pants are golden again. Knowing
1: Roethlisberger, like if he could have played through a concussion, he probably would have. Yeah, that, 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 that guy is just an animal, and I don't even like him. Episode fourteen: The Shaming of the Fat, where terrible human being Nicole Arber gave us her brand of she did that shit again, air quotes comedy. Yes, air quotes comedy. That that is what I'll refer to it as. Because it's like parts of it are almost kinda of funny, but the person's just so terrible and annoying in so many ways that the message gets drowned in the banality of their existence.
0: And it got it got pretty pointed, it got pretty cutting some of the stuff that she said. So yeah, I and and, and it's interesting because we keep talking about this PC movement and you know, people should, you know, get over other people and it's about them. Look, if you're like, gonna
1: say terrible things but don't but don't you go really, like a production. No, you no. better re, you better really be funny. Yes, you better really be. There funny. there's a reason George Carlin gets away by saying we should throw people out of helicopters more often. Yeah. Cuz George Carlin really is funny. Right. He really knows how to deliver this very cutting, biting, scathing criticism in a way where you might be offended, but it's so funny and so cutting you have to acknowledge the truthful implications of the humor. This is this is cheap youtube trolling yeah. humor at its finest at its finest that's let's, that's sure. let's, let's some cute blonde chick troll yeah. the social justice warriors yeah. and give her exactly what she wants which is internet fame yeah. and now she has it yeah you
0: uh you and soldier boy yeah. Oh. dear fat
1: people dear black people dear i don't give a shit nicole arbor go, go away turn off your camera no one cares that's no. great you have an opinion it's really not nuanced or interesting, and you can't really back it up with facts or you know relevant arguments. It's just kind of like how you feel about things. That's great. I feel you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> I guess we're on an equal playing field, Hell
0: yeah. right?
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. But you keep doing your thing, Nicole. If people want to you know pay to be annoyed by you, more power to the American way of life. That's that's oh. what we've set up here. Capitalism. Awesome. Episode fifteen. I'll move through this quickly, Matt. This was a round robin number two. You know, I was thinking we were having a rough week that week. We didn't have a big story to hit on. It was kind of a flat news week, so we talked about uh, that company that hiked their drug price up by 5,000%. Douche. You guy's a dick. Let's do, let's do one one word or one sentence answers on each of these stories. You tell me. All right. First story was the company that hikes the price by 5,000%. One word. Douchebag. I'll, I'll say douche as well. All right. Second story for that week was uh, Oklahoma delays the Richard Gosselin execution. Amid evidence concerns. Did they kill him? Standard. Standard. Uh, A third story was, police. Sheik, who said he owns Speeding Carson in Beverly Hills, appears to have left the U.S. Fucking awesome. (laughs) Saudis. (coughs) I'll also say oil money. <laughs> oil you can money. just drop a lot of like one liners on it. that. Rari's <laughs> super hashtag supercars. <laughs> hashtag leave the US.
0: Hashtag that shit was smoking when you left.
1: Hashtag work visa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hashtag diplomatic immunity.
1: Hashtag diehard too. Or hashtag lethal weapon too. Right. Hashtag <laughs> lethal weapon too. Okay. The last one that we... Deputies in a helicopter shoot wrong-way driver in San Bernardino after a high-speed chase. California! I'll say, (laughs) finally, a justified police shooting.
0: Grand Theft Auto.
1: Hey, hey, (laughs) finally, a justified police shooting. Right? Okay. For sure. Okay. Okay. Coming to the last couple, Matt. We finally made it. Our first interview. I hope we do a few more of these next year. I'd like to talk to a few people yeah. in their specialized people, yep. uh, in their specialized industries or uh, you know fields, so to speak. We spoke on episode sixteen with our friend Dangsta, who's a Burning Man organizer and coordinator. This is episode 16, Behind the Burn, an interview with a Burning Man insider.
0: Everybody should go listen to this podcast if you want to learn about Burning Man. Really, that's all I have to say about it. Dangsta did an awesome job. I really thank her for coming on and uh, giving her insight into such so a complicated and nuanced
1: event. Yeah, we kept that one you know, concise because it was such a sprawling topic. We could have talked with Dangsta for Days oh, yeah. about Burning Man. You can she tell to talk You can tell her passion and knowledge for this is immense, and it really was illuminated in her great answers. And you know, you could you could really just see the passion and depth of knowledge. Like I said, and how she was considering every question and the answer she wanted to give. So I really really enjoyed that one as well. I'd also put that in our top three podcasts of yeah, the year. You gotta question. listen to them. Without I don't know question. what the third one is, but I'd say the top two are the the Dopers. And uh, the Dankson interview for yeah. me. Yeah. That leads us to the last one, Matt. I mean, I'm getting almost a little teary-eyed now. We're coming to the end of the line. This was in November. This was literally just two, three weeks ago. We were talking about daily fantasy duel, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel. How's your team doing? You, you, want, you want any of that big dollars yet playing on DraftKings? Uh, yeah. yeah, I just I keep, I keep throwing money at it.
0: Keep throwing money at it. I keep telling myself I need to stop. I'm, I'm about to call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
1: You didn't see a uh, sixty minutes piece on it? No. I didn't. They talked about they interviewed one of the guys who's like a winning player. Uh-huh. Dude's like a straight up like mathematician running like computer algorithms on how yeah. different players' performance based on various variabilities will increase their like personal performance ratio. Uh, the shit was so confusing. Hey. I was like, Hey, literally it's like You deserve to win. It's all these like fat dudes on the couch, like, yeah, I'm throw some money on DraftKings. There's some super nerd running like computer projections, taking all your money. Yeah.
0: And you drew the and you drew the correlation of freaking the stock market, and there you go right there. That freaking proves it. That's exactly how the stock market's played, and that's exactly how this guy's rigging this game to win.
1: Yeah, except in this case, it's like these super nerds can actually beat the game. Yeah. Now in like Wall Street, it's like the game's already rigged right, by right, the super right, nerds. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah. Super nerds playing games rigged by super nerds. This is super nerds controlling the entire universe in which
1: these people play this game. Exactly, we're talking about you know, there's big levels to this shit. Jeez you know what Lord I mean?
0: Yeah, I'm glad I never got into that shit.
1: Danny. Hey, straight bets, baby, straight bets. Jose Aldo, underdog, Conor McGregor, UFC 194. Right. It's finally going down. <laughs> it's the end of the year, Matt. I'm actually leaving for Thailand in yes, a few you weeks.
0: Are. I'm super jealous. I'm super jealous. It's gonna I know. Be awesome.
1: I know. I wish you guys could come along. You and you and your wife. It would have been amazing. Hopefully, sometime we'll go in the future. But. Sure you know, this is the end of the year. This is the reason we're doing this podcast a little early is next week. UFC one hundred and ninety four yep. biggest fight of the year. Jose Al, Conor McGregor can't miss. Can't wait. I'm going to have a busy weekend. Got to get ready to leave for Thailand. Got to get ready. My friends in town visiting, we're going to be watching this fight, not going to have time to do one. So we just kind of wanted to talk about the year in review and it's been so fun, refreshing and seeing how much, uh, you know, cool stuff we've talked about, Matt. Yep. I kind of just want to say for my end of the year comment that, uh, it's been an amazing journey. I hope to continue it. I feel like you know, I've learned a lot about myself and about the world and I want to just continue doing that, you know, like thinking about why I think certain things and having you present new points and perspectives and bring other stories into the fray. It really has helped me shape how I want to see the world and, you know, what I want to do to help fix it. So, thank you for basically inspiring us on this journey. You're the man. Oh, I'm all
0: misty-eyed right now. No, I, I really, I really do appreciate it, Devin. Thank you very much. Um, and you know, it wasn't. It was due to our dialogue and the things that happen and the sparks that fly when we get together and start to, uh, you know, kind of dismantle certain topics and really dive in. That that sparked, uh, you know, my interest in starting this podcast. And I'm really, really amazed that you know we've done. Uh, 19 official podcasts now. Uh, we're going into uh, uh, the second year of 2016. 2015 has been awesome. Uh, the same thing goes uh, for, for for me is that I feel like I've been able to grow and uh, and learn a little bit more about these topics and think a little bit all the way around it and really think about both sides. Because once you start to bring up an issue and really start to dissect it and talk about it, and uh, converse with somebody else about it and bounce ideas, you really do start to see all the way around it in a 360 degrees. So you really start to see things from another way. It does change your perspective on those things where maybe if you took a hard line stance and you thought it was one way and then you started to dissect it for an hour and you see it a different way. And so um, the same thing goes to you, man, my friend. Uh, you know, we've been friends for a long time, pretty much like the second month I moved to San Diego. Um, so it's been crazy eight years. Uh, wow. It's amazing. We spent, uh, spent many a uh, good, long nights together. And uh, New Year's is, uh, and I wish you uh, the best and, uh, and safe travels as you uh, travel over to Thailand. And I can't wait to see the pictures when you come home.
1: Thanks so much, man. Much love. Material Devolution 2.0 is coming at you next year. This was the first version. We're coming back harder, faster, stronger, better, smarter, minus the brain cells we lose on New Year's. <laughs>
0: All of that. Thank you all for uh, listening, and uh, have a happy holidays and a happy new year.
1: Much love to everyone.